show. Obviously, you're not a golfer. What kind of beer do you like? Heineken! Fuck that shit! Pops, blue ribbon! You take drugs, Danny? Every day. Good. So what's the problem? I don't know. Money, 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 money! I drink your milkshake! I drink it up! Son of a bitch. Stole mine. You're a cantaloupe. <laughs> He's just green and gold. Green face, gold suit. Jim Carrey's just that memorable. You should really buy or watch The Mask. I don't own The Mask either. Neither do I. You just don't on VHS. Me too. <laughs> What's, his name? The What's his ju- name? Made the jump. Ipkiss. Stanley, Stanley Ipkiss. Ipkiss kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking rust bucket. <laughs> It's a loner. The loner? <laughs> the loner. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, we're going to do top five presidents. We're going to talk about the mask for an hour. <laughs> Let's talk about the mask. Let's put it on. Fucking Cameron Diaz, too. And that, oh, she's that's smoking like, in That's that like your first role. Yeah. She comes in in the rain. Fucking just red red dress. <sighs> Sticking that Kleenex up and down. Looking to get a loan your, or something. Your chest. Something like that. And he gets his t- <laughs> gets his tie stuck in the desk. Uh, CDs, uh, checking in CDs, or we can just take all your money and throw the big mattress back there. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a it's a it's a very interesting tie that you're wearing. <laughs> it's one of those ink blot tests, uh, Warshak tests. Yeah, <laughs> it said it means uh, it's supposed to feel powerful when you wear it. It's a power tie. <laughs> What's the next line, John? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're off the rails talking about the fucking mask. <laughs> Dude, the mask is 77%. What, what's the users? 67. So yeah. critics like the mask more than the everyday person. <laughs> Are you shitting me? It'll People happen. just didn't get how smart it was. The mask. <laughs> fucking mask. You put it on. And nobody realizes he got a green face. Well, they do. They just don't care. And they're like, this guy is the fucking coolest shit walking. Not the cheese, the keys. <laughs> the keys. Put the cheese down. Get the keys. It misses, perhaps, as often as it hits. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you start out a 77% score. But Jim Carrey's maniac bombast. Cameron Diaz's blousy, blowsy appeal. And the film's overall blowsy appeal. <laughs> and the film's overall cartoony bombast keep the mask afloat. How are you gonna use the word bombast? Bombastic? Yeah, how are you gonna use it twice in one sentence? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to use it once. So I know what Jim the word Carrey's is, maniac bombast. I wouldn't know how to use it. And correctly. the overall cartoony bombast. <laughs> <laughs> Easy on the bombast. Well, uh, I used to draw as a kid. Um, I was pretty good. Artist. Used to draw as a kid. Stop. And stop the podcast. We got to talk about this. <laughs> and I used to I used to be able to draw like just little cartoon figures pretty well. 
after I saw the mask, I started drawing all of them with the eyes protruding out. <laughs> and then I'd put the veins in, into the eyes and everything. Tops. Tops. <laughs> they go, this kid, he's probably not going anywhere, so at least he can entertain himself. And if he's out of paper and pencil, there's rocks outside to be thrown. <laughs> there's rocks outside. Everybody gets mail every day except Sundays. <laughs> We'll touch uh, on that story at a later date. <laughs> yeah, maybe save for episode 75. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, I guess welcome back to WTM. Watch this movie. <laughs> Watch this movie, The Mask Edition. <laughs> I am your host, Eric Mulder. Eric, he is a bad, bad man. We're joined again, once again, by Mr. Jones. Let him watch. Let him watch. Holler. <laughs> what was that? Hol- holler? Hollaler. Hollaler? Uh from uh the night before when Seth Rogan's in the uh the church, he's Jewish, and he's like <laughs> looking around. <laughs> he's like Hollaler. He's like, Isn't that what you do here in these in the church, in the Christian church? <laughs> Hollaler, he yells. <laughs> oh Lordy. Today. Loudy loudy loudy. Today. With the inauguration upon us this weekend, we figured we'd take a look back on all the president, I guess I should say presidential portrayals in film. Yep. Fiction and nonfiction. Well, first of all, what were your rules? It's the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So my rules were just essentially it it could be a portrayal of a real-life president... Or it could just be a portrayal of a president in fictitious film. President. Fictitious, yep. So um, that was really it. That was all the rules I had. They didn't have to have a huge part. Some of mine, they were the main thing. Some of them, they had 10 minutes in a movie. But I thought they were memorable enough that when I think of presidents in film, it's probably the ones that come to mind. Yeah, all of mine are fairly... Yeah, they're pretty much all of a big role in all the films that shows. But yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. There's a couple that might stand out. There might be smaller parts. Two of mine have probably 10 minutes in the movie they're in. The other three, they're the main focal okay. point. Okay. Because there's a, like, like an honorable mention would be like Gilbert Gottfried as Abraham Lincoln in Million Ways to Die in the West. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, yeah, he had a really, it was like a one scene. I think it was even less than 30 seconds, but yeah. it was kind of funny. Like it is memorable. Not enough to make a list, but maybe no, enough to mention. No, I guess mention. not unless you're a big Gilbert Gottfried fan, maybe. No. Yeah. I like but, Gilbert. Listen to yeah, his podcast. Yeah, like, but the part was funny. But yeah. yeah, I agree. Just one little joke. I kept mine more to like main. Had to at least be like a substantial supporting cast member. Uh, Yeah. All right. Well, who's gonna kick it off first? You well, or let I? me. Let me. You know, I did. I did a little more statistics. Oh, okay. For this this podcast, roll roll some stats out. Rolled up my sleeves, and I just did the math, like Matt Damon says. <laughs> you know, the problems come, and you just do the math. That's all <laughs> I thought when I was like top five presidents. Gotta do the math, man. So I went to the most trusted source on the internet, Wikipedia, and. Grab some stats. So, 
There's been 234 films made with the portrayal of a real president. I then broke down the totals by president. So the top five presidents, this is a real president. So I didn't obviously find any figures on fictitious ones, but uh, based on totals, Abe Lincoln is just crushing fools. He's had 40 <laughs> movies done where he's been betrayed in the movie. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt comes in at second with 24, George Washington with 20, JFK with 15, and then Ulysses S. Grant with 12. thing is, I can't picture, like, any movies that I've seen that feature, or feature at least Teddy Roosevelt, much less even George Washington. I haven't seen much stuff with, like, George Washington. It's JFK, Lincoln, or a fake president. <laughs> Bush. I can think of more movies with Bush than... Yeah, to your I'm point. talking about movies I've seen, though. Oh, right. Yep, yep. Uh, no, and Bush we only know because of W. Right. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. I, I, I tried to think of... After I pulled the numbers and I didn't look at film titles, like, can I think of a couple films with Teddy Roosevelt in it? I couldn't think of anything. But he's got 24 films where he's portrayed in it. Uh now, it might be a small little bit part, but still substantial. Um, mm -hmm. Ulysses S. Grant, 12. I'm guessing a lot of these are probably older flicks, too. But uh, I also grabbed numbers for president films by decades. So it's slowly increased over time, obviously. Uh, the most films with a president's portrayal has come in the last 10 years. I mean, 2011 to now, there's been 48 films portraying a president. Hmm. Uh, previous decade, from 2001 to 2010, 38. Decade before that, basically the 90s, 29. Um, and then it drops from the, 80, from the 80s to 13. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's been more films in the past... 30 odd years of, with presidents portrayed in them than all time there was a spike and then it dropped off in the 30s 31 to 40 of about 24 presidents in a film uh and then it drops off substantially but uh yeah little stats for your ass sweet all right um i guess the rules that i had for my list were same as yours except mine are more maybe more prominently featured in a couple of them mm-hmm but, yeah, let's get to the list. Um, you want to start or me? Who's kicking it? I'll kick it. Uh, I'll kick us off. Kick it. So the first president, my number five, was Bill Clinton in Beavis and Butthead Do America. <laughs> People who haven't seen or even know of Beavis and Butthead, maybe some foreign listeners. Uh, Hold on a cartoon. second. But. I just wanted to make clear that we, we also left out of our list actual presidents in film. Yep, good call. Like, so none. Reagan was in a he was an actor, so he's in a bunch of movies. Right, doesn't count. So Donald this is Trump portrayals and, of a president, yeah. not a president playing themselves, or even a president playing a different character in a movie. Yeah, like uh, Trump in Home Alone two. When he Home talks to him, oh, that's right. He is Colin Culkin in the lobby. He's also in uh, Little Rascals. Yeah, he's like the rich kids' uh, the rich dad. Kid's dad. <laughs> yep. Well, yep. I remember doing a tweet like fucking year and a half ago, calling out 
Trump and the little rascals saying this is the guy that's going to be president. Like, I was like, oh, come on, this guy isn't going to be president. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the little rascals. For <laughs> All right. So continue. All right. So number five, we got Bill Clinton and Beavis <clears throat> and Butthead do America. So we're not going to go over synopsis or anything like that, are we? Since we're just focusing on president, or do you want me to cover You that? can give this the brief synopsis. Okay. So Beavis and Butthead do America. It's a cartoon movie based off the TV MTV TV series. Uh, 1996, directed by Mike Judge, written by Mike Judge. Uh, basically, uh, Beavis and Butthead go on a road trip across country trying to find their stolen television, essentially. Uh, we get introduced to Bill Clinton towards the end of the movie because the group somehow gets mistaken as terrorists who steal some type of uh, weapon of mass destruction. At least they think they did, um, but then they end up turning it in and then identifying the real people. So why did I pick him? So Bill Clinton is voiced by Dale Reeves, largely a TV voiceover actor, not really known for anything else. Uh, he voiced Clinton in an episode of Beavis and Butthead back in 1993. Hmm. That was really the only other thing I of note that I found. Um, so why Bill Clinton? Essentially because he makes Beavis and Butthead honorary ATF agents, <laughs> which is fucking hilarious <laughs> and a good enough reason to get him into the list. Of, and he's probably one of the cooler presidents. Uh, I'll say his demeanor, one of the cooler presidents especially in our lifetimes, that's for sure. Uh, so to think of him honoring Beavis and Butthead. Saxophone isn't that cool, Jones. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> guy's just fucking smooth operator, right? Jeff played sax. Alto. He's an Jeff alto. Jeff would play sax. <laughs> <laughs> Joel was trombone. Figures. I was percussion. drums. Yeah. Percush. <laughs> uh, I played the... Uh, recorder. Recorder. <laughs> And then I tried to play the drums, and they went, you got to play piano first. So they wouldn't let me play drums. And then I wanted to play saxophone because Lisa Simpson played saxophone. And uh, they wouldn't let me do that either. So then I became a degenerate. <laughs> <laughs> because I got no support from my teachers. Yeah, that'll happen. Anyways, so back to Bill Clinton. Uh, one funny line from it is... Bill Clinton says to Beavis and Butthead, we want to extend our deepest gratitude for what you've done, to which Beavis or Butthead, I can't remember which one, laughs and says, <laughs> he said extend. <laughs> I always love those little lines. Going down. <laughs> Are you going down? Fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's my number five. So what... You got that beats that. My number five, <laughs> technically tied, but I gotta give, I gotta give it to President James Marshall, Ooh, portrayed by Harrison Ford in Air Force One. So that is my number three. Number three crossover. Crossover. Touch the tips. I have it pulled up, so I'll just do the going. the deets here. Yep. So. Uh, 1997, directed by Wolfgang Peterson, uh, starring Harrison Ford, uh, Gary Oldman, Glenn Close, Wendy Crewson, William H. Macy. That's about it. Did you say Gary Oldman? Yes. 
storyline hijacker sees the plane carrying the president of the United States and his family, but he, an ex-soldier, works from hiding. You know, works from hiding to defeat them. It's like the, the worst same. synopsis. Why they put? I just read it. I I copy and pasted it, and I don't think I had read it. There's three dashes <laughs> in less than soldier. half a sentence. That that whole thing was one sentence. There's a comma in the middle. Followed by three hyphens, but he hyphen and X hyphen soldier hyphen works from hiding to defeat them. <laughs> he's hiding in the belly of the ship and he starts killing terrorists. And that's why he's on this list. Cause he's a fucking badass. And he has one of the best lines of any president in any movie. Yeah. Before he kicks Gary Baldwin off. <laughs> <on the plane. laughs> Little tiptoes, he boots off the plane. Get off my plane! Yeah, we don't. Uh, just a reminder, we don't do a lot of sound clips for the top five list because then I would know what Jones is picking. Ruins the surprise, people. Yeah, between us. Yeah, and that's, you. That's what we, we want. This natural, organic flow. So that's what we need. Yeah. Hashtag Can't be scripting too much. Shailen Woodley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hashtag. Sorry. Hashtag. Hashtag. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, he's a badass. Get off my plane. Also, I mean, kind of a big deal with that hijacking in that movie is they're trying to get the release of some, you know, war, war criminal, yeah. like in Russia or something like that. Classic Kazakhstan or tactics. Yeah. You know. And he's very determined not to let this, you know, terrorist out of jail. Yeah. And he just goes nuts on him. And Gary Oldman is amazing as um very charismatic uh terrorist. I'd where's say. he where where's he where's Gary Oldman's character call home? Um it's Can't one of the remember. from the old Eastern, Eastern Bloc, you know, Eastern European country. I don't know if it's Kazakhstan or something like that. That old shit. It's one of the stands. Stands. <laughs> Can't stand ya. <laughs> All right, you uh, you want me to go through a bunch of the uh, fun facts I found? Yeah, I'm sure we have a lot of the similar, so you can go ahead. Okay, uh, initially, Director Wolfgang Peterson was denied access to the real-life Air Force One. Telephone call from Harrison Ford to the White House soon changed to that. So again, all these fun facts are stuff from IMDb or Wikipedia or other stuff we see online, and we write it down, so you can take it with a grain of salt, but this is what we find out. Yep. Unusually, the film received uh, cooperation from all four branches of the U.S. military who readily lent them equipment and advisors. So they had all four in there, mm-hmm. which is not always done. You have to do a certain amount of things. Like You can't be critical of like the government or the military at all if you want their involvement in, right. your, in your film. Um, although there are two specific VC-25s, that's the military version of the 747-200B um, used and maintained by the Air Force for the president's use. But the uh, Air Force One designation is the air traffic control sign of any United States Air Force aircraft carrying the president of the United States. Uh, with Army, Navy, Marine, or Coast Guard aircraft being referred to as Army One, Navy One, etc., uh, civilian aircraft are referred to as Executive One. A similar system is used for the vice president, but with two in place of one. 
Uh, in the film, the Army UH-60 Blackhawk that delivers the VP to the White House would have the designation Army 2. So yeah, if uh, the president was drowning in the ocean and the Coast Guard picked him up, uh, that would be Coast Guard 1. Yeah, that's what the helicopter would be called. Once he's in the helicopter, it'd be Coast Guard 1. Yep. So yeah, that's a common misconception Mostly with people maybe outside the U.S., but other people in here. I remember I just learned about this eh, probably within the past yep. five, ten years or so. Mm-hmm. Then any plane he is on is whatever that plane is, then one. Right. <clears throat> yep. Uh, in the beginning of the movie, the president rides in the motorcade back to the plane, when in fact the United States is the only country in the world that transports its presidential motorcade vehicles to whatever country the president goes. And I think I remember reading about that when Obama went to it was China or something like that someplace he hadn't been in a while and they talk about the big motorcade that comes with like Air Force One like all like they take all their own vehicles with sure like, they don't trust the other governments why would <laughs> to you give them like you know protective I don't I don't yeah I guess vehicles I'm not, it's not surprising you know to think that you're not going to rely on somebody else's security standards I suppose uh, unlike the movie in reality, Air Force One does not have an escape pod. Hmm. Um, the infighting over the correct presidential line of succession was inspired by by uh, the real world conflict after President Reagan's uh, assassination attempt. In Air Force One, there's um, since the president's they might say compromised because they have his family uh, hostage. He's kind of bending towards their will, so they were kind of. I think it was the Joint Chiefs of Staff was trying to take over because mm-hmm. it wasn't the Vice President. It was the Vice President Glenn Close? Yep. And I think she was trying to like overrule her. Like if he gets a certain amount of the cabinet signs off and someone else takes over, well, the President is incapacitated. Yep. But apparently that happened after Reagan's assassination attempt. Uh, his Secretary of State, Alexander Haig, insisted he was in control of the government while Reagan was in surgery attempting to bypass the vice president. So apparently there's a little bit of kerfuffle there. That's all the fun facts I had for Air Force One. Did you have any more? Um, one thing I did find is that President James Marshall in public polls of your favorite president in film is consistently voted by people as the best president in movies. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how updated that is but you I know because because since that movie there's been things like lincoln and different other a few other you know president portrayals but i could see i could easily see that this is people's favorite president in movies i mean he's a badass he's fucking yeah, terrorist ass it's only president on that's one that's an action star <laughs> right exactly so i thought that was kind of funny um well it's funny that we we're doing this list and i didn't even think about um White House Down or Olympus Has Fallen. Yep. Um, not that they would make my list, but they could go on the honorable mentions. It's like, oh, it's Aaron Eckhart. And right. then, uh, what's Jamie Foxx? Yeah, he's White House Down. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So maybe they'd probably make my honorable mentions, but I haven't, I've seen Olympus Has Fallen. I've I have not seen, seen White House Down. Yeah, I haven't seen either of them. Um, two other fun facts that I found. Um, so this movie came out in 1997, which, uh, President Bill Clinton was the U.S. president at the time, and they say that he saw the movie at least twice while in office, and he critiqued mm-hmm. 
the plane inaccuracies, which you've stated, but that he really liked the movie. Um, and kind of a funny, uh, relevant little fun fact I found in December of 2015, Donald Trump revealed his admiration for Harrison Ford on the plane, <laughs> saying <laughs> he stood up for America. <laughs> when Harrison Ford was told about this comment, uh, Harrison Ford. During a TV interview, he turned to the camera and said, Donald, it was just a movie. Things like this don't happen in real life. <laughs> <laughs> that is our incoming Here's president. Here's Ford is so high, he doesn't even remember I was going to say, I, I wish I would have seen that because every interview you see Harrison Ford and you're like, God, you're just tuned up on something. Every time. Well, he smokes a lot of weed. <laughs> yeah, you can tell. I don't think he's doing other drugs. Pain it's just killers? a lot of weed. Eh, maybe not painkillers. Yeah, he's I mean, just getting old. He's and... probably banged up for decades of being an action star and sure. like doing stunts. Yeah. So I could see painkillers, but I, it doesn't seem like a painkiller, guys. It seems like he's probably <laughs> getting enough off of the weed. And he's getting old. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right. So my number four? Yep. All right. So number four, you got George W. Bush in the 2008 Oliver Stone movie, W. <laughs> W. <laughs> Spelled out, too. W. Dot. <laughs> uh, so George W. Bush is played by Josh Brolin. Um, you all know Josh Brolin from Goonies, No Country for Old Men, Hail Caesar. Um, synopsis of W, a chronicle of the life and presidency of George W. Bush. Um, so I have actually not seen this entire movie. I've seen the majority of it. And... Even when he's not being funny in the movie, he fucking kills the impression, by the way. Uh, I don't Rolling. know if you've seen any bits of it. I've seen parts of it. The bits I had seen before I actually watched a decent chunk consistently through, I was like, it seems ridiculous. It almost seems like a parody a little bit. Like, mm -hmm. uh, But even the serious scenes where he's either talking, dealing with his dad issues and stuff that a lot of people say W head with... Uh, his father, George H. Bush. Uh, I think it's H. W. <clears throat> Herman uh, Walker. Herman Walker. Yeah. Uh, he kills it. I mean, he comes across as pretty authentic and then funny in the sense that W. did come across as kind of a goofball when he was in office. A lot of the interviews or comments he made when he was trying mm -hmm. to sound intelligent and he's using words incorrectly <laughs> and stuff. Fucking hilarious. Uh some fun facts, Oliver Stone and W were actually both in the same Yale class of 1968, um, but Oliver Stone actually dropped out after one year. W obviously finished. Um, Oliver Stone's third, this is actually Oliver Stone's third film about a president. Um, can you name the other two? Nixon? Yep, 1995, he did Nixon. And then he did uh, a, a, three films about U.S. presidents? Yep, so counting W. So he did W. He did W in 2008, Nixon in 1995, and one other one. Mm, JFK, bro. Oh, duh. Yeah, JFK. I actually thought you would get that and not Nixon. I've never seen Nixon. Neither have I. Uh, so yeah, he did JFK in 91, Nixon in 95, and this one in 2008. But I never think of that as like about the president. Cause the, JFK? Yeah, because... Or about they the, don't even uh, really trial. have an actor to like play JFK. If you think about no. that movie, who plays JFK? 
You have no fucking idea. No. Because he's point. like never in any scenes. It's just him getting shot over and over. It's more about the murder <laughs> conspiracy. Yeah. yeah. Back and to the left. Mm. <laughs> Back and to the left. Great. Uh, Back and to the left. Uh, so that's my number four. My number four. Going to 2008. <laughs> Crossover. W- Frank Langella. Frost Nixon. Never saw it. Uh, directed by Ron Howard, starring Franklin Jella, who plays President Richard Nixon, Richard Milhouse Nixon. Uh, Michael Sheen is in here playing David Frost. Kevin Bacon, Sam Rockwell, Oliver Platt, Rebecca Hall, Toby Jones. A lot of good people in here. The story is a dramatic retelling of the post-Watergate television interviews between British talk show host David Frost and former President Richard Nixon. Um, this is... Who directed it, did you say? Sorry. Yeah, Ron Howard. Okay, yep. Uh, which I, I kind of forget always. Yeah. Because you kind of think of Ron Howard as kind of like on a been on a down skit for a while since like he started Da Vinci Code. Those fucking Da Vinci Code movies. And then like the second one, like Angels Demons came out like a few oh. years ago. And then the newest one came out like last fall, and I was Dante's like, Dante's Inferno. Yeah, and it's think. like I guess it still does big numbers like overseas. People but love it. I haven't. I mean, I get that. I haven't met anyone who went to the last one or this one. <laughs> I saw the Da Vinci Code in the theater. You did? Never since then. Uh, I read most it. of Angels and Demons in high school, and then I started to read Da Vinci Code, and then I quit, and then I never watched any of the movies. Because this uh, was, you know, received very well. I believe it was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Um, it was nominated for Best Picture, and Frank Langella was nominated for Best Actor. So yeah, I mean, it was obviously it was critically heralded, and then he also did very well with Rush that came out a few years ago with uh, Hemsworth and Daniel Bruhl about the indie car racers. Remember Rush. Oh, that's right. I saw that one. I went to that in theaters. Yeah, it was it was good. I haven't it seen it pretty, yet, but it was it's, pretty entertaining. It was nominated for a bunch of stuff, so like maybe car scenes are fucking awesome. Yeah, so it seems Solid like Ron scenes. Howard's kind of on the upswing again. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is 2008, so this is nine years ago. But regardless, he's, um, always, he's always wearing that fucking hat. <laughs> he's got to. He's a director. <laughs> Covered up. Him and Spielberg. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is the about the famous interview between the two, and. This is the interview that, like, the line, you know, when the, I'm saying when the president does it, it's not illegal. That type of thing that mm-hmm. came from this interview. Yep. So that's what this is about. Uh, pretty fascinating. And Franklin Jell is incredible. He's a great actor. Doesn't really get enough credit. I mean, he got some more after this. Like, I remember right after this came out, he was in the box. So he was in a few different movies. He, he was just in Captain Fantastic that you saw. Yeah, I was going to say he plays the father-in-law of uh Viggo Mortensen. Um I got some fun facts here. Uh Franklin Jilla won a Tony Award in 07 for playing Richard Nixon in the original stage production cuz that's what this huh. was based off of. It was a stage production, which would make sense, you know, it's not a you don't need a a big set or like different places to go. It's basically about an interview, right? People talking. So he played Nixon. Yep. In the stage and then also on the screen. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. You don't see that very often. Um, 
Fun fact about Ron Howard, uh, Director Ron Howard admitted to voting for Richard Nixon in the 72 election. <laughs> uh, Franklin Jell stayed in character throughout the entire production. Uh, this naturally isolated him from most of the cast and crew who were overly differential to him, something that the actor was pleased about as it was an essential component of his character. On the last day of the last shot, um, Langella dropped the facade and shouted to everybody, Hello, everyone. I'm Frank. So then, like, he was able to get along with everyone better. Oh. Well, it's, people didn't think he was an asshole or anything. They are just like, oh. You know, he was of, just staying in character? Yeah, staying in character. And then also, like, I'm sure he was well thought of during the production. They're like, oh, that's, that's Frank Langella. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, like Paul F. Tompkins will talk about being on set with Danny DeLewis and There Will Be Blood. Yeah. And, like, you know, the, the tiniest things that he'll do will make an impact or it'll be something that you remember. You're right. Like, God, I was sitting at a table and Dandy Lewis came up and he, you know, he put down his cup of coffee and he took out four sugar packets and opened them a very peculiar way. And then he dumped three and a half of them in through the last half of the last packet out. Like something really stupid, but something that you're like, Oh, this is what he does. Like I can see what his <laughs> they, methods they are. Have- what he's like that, behind the scenes. Right, they just have that presence. That it's mm-hmm. like any movement. It's like powerful or something. I guess I could see that with Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Or Frank. Like, that Sports yeah. Center commercial where they're in the uh, cafeteria and Arnold Palmer's in front of him. And he's going in between the two. There's the lemonade. Oh, that's right. And the iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, watch. Check it out. <laughs> check it out. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Franklin Joel is... Terrific as Nixon. Fascinating movie. Go check it out. You did your number three. Yep. So I guess for my number three, which I'm sure will be on your list. Um, we're going Danny Day-Lewis. We're just talking about him. Yeah. Is he on your list? Oh, yeah. Is it number one? He's my number one. Ooh. I'll, I'll I yield the floor to you, sir. <laughs> so You're Dan- number one and my number one. We're not going to look good next to each other. <laughs> Saying that right now. So, I initially had a different number one, but I felt like it was disrespectful to Daniel <laughs> Day-Lewis <laughs> as Lincoln yeah. to have anybody else other than him. I thought it was disrespectful that I put him at number three. But Yeah, I was going to say, I initially had him farther down the list. I was like, yeah, well, it's kind of a funny number one. And then I was like reading it, and I was like, I can't be disrespectful to him. <laughs> So, we were talking about, obviously, Daniel Day-Lewis's portrayal of Abraham Lincoln in the 2012 movie Lincoln, which was directed by Steven Spielberg. What? What? What's it called? Lincoln. <laughs> Lincoln. Lincoln Lawyer? I saw that. It was a good Lincoln movie. Lawyer. <laughs> he was he a lawyer, right? Matthew McConaughey's stunt double. <laughs> <laughs> I picked the stunt double. He just did a better job in scenes. Uh, so Lincoln, the synopsis says the Civil War continues to rage. America's president <laughs> struggles with continuing carnage on the battlefield as he fights with many inside his own cabinet on the decision to emancipate the slaves. Um, in my opinion, the best portrayal of a president in any film I've ever seen. Uh, not to mention just the physical attributes he seems to have in common with Lincoln. Obviously, he put on Daniel Day Lewis's. 
the fucking man, regardless. I mean, he, he takes on every character that he plays, but, I mean, he looks like Lincoln. He looks tall, kind of lanky. He's in good physical shape. They always talk about Lincoln, how he was kind of a nerd type thing when he was a lawyer and younger and stuff, but he was always physically built. Like, he was tall, but they talk about how he was actually fairly muscular, like almost as kind of unbeknownst to people, but, like, he was in good fucking shape essentially um and daniel day lewis i mean he just he resembles him i'm sure they had some tall drink of water it's a good looking dude svelte fucking eyebrows and everything uh also the only actor to win best actor oscar for their role as a president other ones have been nominated like you said um but nobody has ever won um, for their portrayal of a U.S. president, besides Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, fucking British. <laughs> uh, one personal side note, I went and saw Lincoln in theaters, and um, there's a lot of older folks in the audience, and I feel like I went to more of a matinee or an obscure time. It had already been out. Um, a lot of older people in the audience, and his portrayal of Lincoln... I felt like it was so powerful and obviously the story or whatever emancipation of the slaves um, is big by itself. But when we left, there was a lot of older people who were crying at the end of it. And I felt like it was probably directly driven by his performance of Lincoln, how good he was. Well, they remember what he was like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he fucking killed it. Um, some fun facts. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis initially turned down. Lincoln and he wrote Steven Spielberg a letter telling him a very lengthy letter explaining that he didn't feel like he could do the portrayal of Lincoln justice. He wished him well. He said he would recommend any actor and stuff, but that he just didn't think he could do it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Spielberg then considered Liam Neeson for a period of time and then went back to Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, and I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio who ended up talking yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. I read into that doing too. It. I don't know about the DiCaprio I couldn't find part. out what DiCaprio said to him. Right. Like, we don't know what happened, but we heard DiCaprio talk to him. That's right. I, was, I, I don't know if much truth is involved in that, but uh, I do believe that Lewis maybe turned it down. I mean, it's a big fucking role. I mean, big actors are big actors, but, I mean, they probably get, you know, uh, nervous playing certain people, especially if they're well-read or if it's somebody that they – know a lot of the historical legacy behind maybe he had a lot to do with you know knew a lot about lincoln everybody does but i mean imagine listening to that fucking phone call right <laughs> hey daniel it's leo <laughs> <laughs> i'm busy on the beach with all my supermodels i heard you turned down lincoln dude <laughs> dude um one other fun fact actually in february of 2013 um Numerous reports stated that this movie led to the final official 50-state ratification of the 13th Amendment, basically the prohibition of slavery, nearly 150 years after it was approved by three-fourths of the states. Um, it was, a, was it Mississippi the last state to ratify it, like yep, last year? Yep. So in November of 2012, a doctor mm-hmm. uh, at the, the University of Mississippi saw Lincoln, and then he did some internet searching to find out more about the 13th Amendment. Um, and they have essentially they discovered him in a college discovered that although Mississippi voted to ratify it, a clerical oversight caused the vote to remain officially unacknowledged. 
since the Mississippi Secretary of State had never sent the voters' results to the U.S. Office of the Federal Register. So after Sullivan saw the movie, both men urged the office of the Mississippi Secretary of State to file the paperwork, which they did in January of 2013. And then so in February, the director of the Federal Register confirmed its receipt, along with the fact that Mississippi had finally ratified the 13th Amendment. Mm -hmm. So a small little paper clerical error basically allowed slavery <laughs> to be allowed in the state of Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it wasn't. It's kind of like it those, wasn't. I mean, I, I, I every I state has a bunch of shitty old laws that don't make any sense. Yeah, they always say there's always these random laws that are on the books that they never address. I mean, eventually they do after probably you know petitioning and whatever, or just a cleanup. I yeah, I'm not saying Mississippi was cool with slavery up <laughs> until 2013, but it's funny to think that legally it could probably be argued that. It was allowed until then because it hadn't fully gone through the process. But it's yeah. funny. The reason why I like to call it out is because you always think that I feel like a lot of people think films are just purely entertainment, don't have a lot of stuff. But you can tell the impact that they have that this guy saw it. And although he was probably more interested in the legal realm of it, just like we do, we'll see something. and We'll go out and research it both the real story or the real facts or just interest in stuff. And he ended up finding out this thing that who knows how long it would have sat out there if nobody knew. So it's just kind of an interesting little thing. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned earlier, JFK that led to a lot of people asking questions about the assassination mm -hmm. and the freedom of information act came up a bunch, bunch of people were requesting stuff. Yeah. And they talked about a lot of the info was released pretty much just because of that movie all the curiosity it created people were pissed off yep. thinking that the government lied to them and whatnot and your sense i've kind of found out what's good about that movie and what's complete horseshit about that movie yeah <laughs> like the stuff that oliver stone made up but um regardless it's a very well made film and it was very effective mm -hmm. um, a lot of people were just trying to figure out what the hell is going on yeah so a lot of what we know is kind of because of that film oh absolutely so, yeah, Lincoln, I don't know if you have anything else to add. Uh, I had one other kind of cool thing that it said that uh, uh, once uh, Daniel D. Lewis decided on the voice that he would use to portray Lincoln, he sent an audio tape of it to Steven Spielberg in a box with a skull and crossbones on it so no one huh. but he would hear it first. <laughs> He's a bit of an odd duck, that there, <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis. Um. So, yeah, I guess we'll go to my... No, your number two. That's so, the only one you have left is your number two. I only have my number two left. Mm -hmm. You did your number three was Lincoln. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's number two. So, to follow up Lincoln, I got George W. Bush. <laughs> Killing my list, George W. And Harold and Kumar. <laughs> Guantanamo Bay. I thought about it. Some honorable mentions, so I didn't really like that one. You didn't like the portrayal? No, the I did. Um, no, I like both. Okay. Although his portrayal wasn't, his voice was fine. It wasn't like perfect, and like he didn't look perfect. They makes him not perfect, but he is so fucking funny, especially when he's talking to his dad. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> talking to his dad on the phone. He's in there. George H. W. Bush. He's in there for less than ten minutes. That scene lasts for less than ten minutes. <laughs> And they hit on so many 
little quirks about the real George W. Bush that actually got such a kick out of it. Because it's like, <laughs> this is who George W. probably actually is. Yeah. Just sits around in a game room hiding from Dick Cheney, <laughs> smoking weed. <laughs> Just pissed off at Never know dad. where that fucker Dick Cheney's at. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> uh, Just smoking copious amounts of weed. <laughs> So yeah, Guantanamo, Harold and Kumar escaped from Guantanamo Bay. Made in 2008, directed by John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg. Um, the actor who plays George W. Bush is James Adomian. The only other notable thing is he voiced W. in the 2000 film, 2007 film called Carl Rove, I Love You. So those of you that don't know about the Harold and Kumar Guantanamo Bay movie, after being mistaken for terrorists and thrown in Guantanamo Bay, stoners Harold and Kumar escape and return to the U.S. where they proceed to flee across the country with federal agents in hot pursuit. Played One of them played by Robbie um, Cordry, yeah. who just steals the fucking show. Kills it. <laughs> so good. Arguably better than the first, I would Have say. Have you ever been ice fishing? bleaker well it's fucking exhilarating <laughs> i love when he wipes his ass with captain dipshit with the piece of paper is the fifth amendment or something yeah he wipes it because i think it's unreasonable search and seizure and wipes his ass goes, oh, dude, why is your ass so dirty don't you wipe <laughs> it's so good All right, uh i will i just want a couple funny funny lines from that scene um from W is one uh, when I think it's Kumar questions him for being a hypocrite for making weed illegal, but then he's smoking weed in his in his game room. Mm-hmm. W says, "You like giving hand jobs?" He's like, "No." He's like, "You like getting hand jobs?" No, or yes. Well, that makes you a hypocritizer too. Shut the fuck <laughs> up and smoke my weed. He also refers to Guantanamo Bay as G Bay at one point. <laughs> oh, G Bay. <laughs> Those cock meat sandwiches? Oh, that's the best. <laughs> uh, and he also has some words of wisdom that for those about to live in a Trump-era presidency, he says, you don't have to believe in your government to be a good American. You just have to believe in your country. Yeah, this is good shit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Kills it. Yeah, that's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you need. All right. All right. Um Going back to sanity a little bit with my number two, then I, right before I veer off, <laughs> my number two is an oldie, still a goodie. Doctor Strangelove, or how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. There you go. I'm talking about Peter Sellers, as well. He plays three different roles. It's a different about this. He plays Doctor Strangelove. He plays president and he plays uh, i believe the commanding officer at that military base is that the other role he has i think so sounds right so he's listed as president merkin muffley i was gonna say possibly the best president name yeah. merkin muffley outside um, of millhouse nixon yeah it says group captain lionel mandrake so that's the military yep. officer and then dr strangelove so, People Haven't Seen It, directed by Stanley Kubrick, who's the man. Uh, stars Peter Sellers, George C. Scott, Sterling Hayden, uh, Keenan Wynn, Slim Pickens, and James Earl Jones. And I believe his f- one of his first films, if not his first film. 
This came out in uh, 1964. It was quite a a ways before Star Wars, before (laughs) most people knew him. Um, Storyline is an insane general triggers a path of, or a path to nuclear holocaust that a war room full of politicians and generals frantically try to stop. So basically, one of their units that's carrying nuclear weapons couple of airplanes it's kind of gone rogue uh this military base the commander's gone nuts um and they've basically been given an order to strike the soviet union and they can't bring the ship back they can't stop the order mm-hmm. so they have to kind of get in touch with russia They're like oh well it's peter sellers as the president he's got to call the russian premier and well, something funny kind of happened, and uh, <laughs> I think he says, like, uh, one of our commanding officers, well, he just went a little funny, you see, and uh, sent one of our planes on a suicide mission <laughs> to strike your country. And it is, uh, it's a satire, political satire, also about the state of the Cold War in the 60s, and how everyone was, you know, everyone was afraid of the bomb. Like, yeah, they were glad we had it, but so did the Russians. And that was, you know, the big red scare back in the day. Kids are hiding underneath their desks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, this movie is uh, pretty terrific. I remember watching it the first time when I was younger and, you know, and like, "Eh, it's an old comedy that, you know, just isn't that funny. And the more you watch it, the more you get, or I guess maybe even just the older and wiser you get, the more you get from the film. Sure. Humor gets better with age. Yeah, the humor does definitely get better with age. Um, it's not made for best picture. I believe also it has the record for longest title of a best picture nominee. So, yeah, oh. put that in there. There you go. But let's get to some fun facts about the president part of it here. Uh, Peter Sellers was paid $1 million, uh, 55% of the film's budget. Kubrick famously quipped, I got three for the price of six. Because he did three roles. Hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. But three for the price of six. Six because he's still paying a shit ton. <laughs> <laughs> Kubrick, he's a, he's a clever guy. Clever guy. Uh, Sellers improvised most of his lines. Like, I believe he did in a lot of stuff. Oh. Pink Panther, I'm guessing he did a lot of improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Sellers was not keen on multiple takes. <laughs> One of Stanley Kubrick's trademarks. Kubrick felt that Sellers' performance improved with each successive take. Well, Sellers couldn't understand why he was being asked to keep doing the same scene over and over. <laughs> he was like, I thought I got it with that one. <laughs> nope, nope, your your hand was moving a little weird. <laughs> We're doing it again. Lights. Uh, filmed during the spring and summer of 63, the first test screening was scheduled for November 22nd, 1963, the day that JFK was assassinated. Huh. Producers felt that the public would not be in the mood for a black comedy so soon <laughs> after such a traumatic event. So the premiere was moved back to late January 1964. <laughs> Jesus. Come on, guys. We're having a big premiere of Kubrick's new film, November 22nd. Be there. <laughs> Ooh, country shuts down. <laughs> uh, character of President Merkin Muffley was patterned after... Uh, Adlai Stevenson II, who lost two presidential elections to Dwight D. Eisenhower before becoming America's ambassador to the UN, uh, 61 to 65. Uh, he died in office, uh, which was his position at the time this film was made. It's good because it came out 64. So, 
Yeah, I don't know if I've. It's A D L A I is his first name. Adley. Stevenson. Adley. Second. Adley, maybe. Is AI making? A D L A I. A I. Lee. I think it's Lee. Adley. Adley. Maybe. I think. So yeah, that's or my number know. two. Adley. Which brings me to. And I, I will confirm it was James Earl Jones' first film. Okay. He did some TV series, but it was his first uh, first movie. He was 30, 33 years old. Hey, I was right about something off the cuff. There you Sweet. go. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, really, it leads me to my number one. Oh, the film in question is not is the worst film on my list. Is this Bill Pullman? Yes. Fuck. How <laughs> are you going to put Bill Pullman in front of Lincoln? When I think of a president in the movies, I immediately think of Bill Pullman giving the speech in Independence Day every time. If I think about what, I, what I'm looking for in Jeff a president. Jeff Goldblum punched him <laughs> when he was the president. Did you or see no, Jeff he was, Goldblum? He was a senator at the time, I think. Did you see Goldblum in that movie? He was working out before Independence Day. He's He's got some muscles in there. Yeah, it's fucking wife Peter. He's just <laughs> ripping in the White House. Get it together. Bill Pull, I knew it, right? I didn't think about it until right before. I was like, <laughs> wait, he hasn't said Independence Day yet. Um, Lincoln, yeah, I love Lincoln. Lincoln's a better film. It's a better acting job. And I'm not just going for, was he closest to Lincoln? Was he not as close to, or any president for that matter? For movie presidents, what do I? what am I looking for? What do I like? And I love Bill Pullman in Independence Day. So let's get to the details. We're making this a fish. <laughs> a fish. <laughs> uh, it came out in 1996, so 21 years ago, <laughs> which is fucking nuts. That's funny to think about. Uh, directed by Roland Emmerich, uh, starring Will Smith, Bill Pullman. This was say his uh, president, Thomas J. Whitmore, uh, also starring Jeff Goldblum, Mary McDonald, Judd Hirsch, Robert Loja. Randy Quaid. Quaid, Viv- man. Vivica A. Fox. She didn't even vote for you. I voted for the other guy. She told the first lady. First lady's like, See, so you love Independence Day. Yeah, well, I know it. <laughs> James Reborn, Harvey Firestein. A lot of people in here. Adam Baldwin. You got one of the Baldwins? Storyline, yeah. Uh, the aliens are coming, and their goal is to invade and destroy Earth. Fighting superior technology, mankind's best weapon is the will to survive. It's a stupid synopsis. Well, that last little part <laughs> there is from part of the little... speech. We will not go quietly into the night. We will survive. <laughs> Does this big Independence Day speech. Is this is Independence Day. Let's remember, like, when he's given that speech, what does he have? Does he have a blowhorn? Microphone? Uh, He has a... Is one of uh, it's I think it's from a truck. Yeah, it's CB like radio. A truck, like a CB thing. radio type yep. thing. Yeah, never mind. Whatever. But yeah, he's because he's talking into that. He's reckless. The dude's reckless. He's going in to fight aliens. And he's a prez. Another reason I like him so much. He suits up, gets in the fighter jet, goes and fights the aliens. Something wrong with him. I mean, you got. I mean, we got Harrison Ford on the list. He's Who's fighting. Who's gonna some... run the country? An alien takes him out. There's not going to be a country to Robert run, Loja? Robert Lozier is going to run the country. 
I think he was part of the Joint the Chiefs. fucking First Lady's already dead. <laughs> Doesn't care about his kid. The kid's already lost to her mother. Now her father's going to fight aliens in the air. They're so short of pilots, they got Randy Quaid, who's talking about aliens the whole movie. <laughs> He's only Before they knew one. there was aliens. To, to fly one of their jets. I love the scene where Randy Quaid like is like he's gonna go flying, and his son brings him <laughs> he's coffee. His son brings him coffee, and he takes a drink, and he's like, "Keep it coming." And the son's like, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking off. He's done drinking. He wants another <laughs> cup of coffee. Yeah, you got the president leading the way, attacking the, the aliens. Let him fly a jet. No, he didn't. The other guy did. I had, I actually it was Adam Baldwin that let him. He was like the uh, military guy that was like, we need some pilots. He was Cousin Eddie. God. <laughs> Your wife left you with all these kids in the camper. <laughs> so inspirational speech, check. Badass president, check. Um, I, I guess I just left Lincoln off from the number one because, well, I figured it'd be a crossover for one. And two, I like Lincoln, but it's... Not a movie that I'm going to watch a whole hell of a lot. I haven't seen it since I saw it in the theater. Well, we'll watch it. <laughs> I will watch it again, but I was just like, uh, it's good, but it's kind of like. It's because it was so good you didn't even need to. Like, <laughs> you just sunk in. Well, first of all, I mean, I love Danny Lewis, but there's no way of knowing what Lincoln sounded like. And all the, you know, view or like opinions people had of him. Like, oh, he used to be like this, or I knew him really well. He was like this. I mean, some of that can be. History? Are you talking about history? No, I mean. <laughs> Before. Like, I know they're quote unquote devices? facts, but I mean, it's kind of like. You're talking about anything before a recording device. Kind of. So you're, you're questioning all history pre-recording device. No, I'm just saying he didn't necessarily <laughs> sound exactly like Lincoln, which How I don't do you care. Know? I know, I don't know, so that's why it doesn't bother you know me. anything. <laughs> How many times have you gone to the bathroom in your life? You don't know, do you? It's kind of like, I mean, yeah, it was a great portrayal. I thought he did an awesome, amazing job. What Definitely did, deserved the Oscar. What did Bill Pullman use for inspiration for a war against aliens? I don't know, maybe he watched War of the World. Maybe he was watching Predator or something. What? <laughs> 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 Like an old War of the Worlds, something like that. I don't know what he's watching. But, yeah, he was ready to go. A moment's notice. He's like, they fucking kill my wife. I'm getting in the jet. Because they try to keep him off. And he's like, no. What about his daughter? Who's she, she's in Area 51. Vivica A. Fox? Stripper? Well, You're leaving your daughter a stripper. You <laughs> didn't even vote for your husband? They're in Area 51. Beneath, you know. They're down in, I don't know how many levels below he ground. He didn't even know Area 51 existed. They couldn't even trust him with that secret. Well, no. Do you they, remember? They told him. They knew, he knew about Area 51, that. but they Gold didn't Bloom's know about the aliens. goes off about it. And he goes, the sir, there's no Area 51. <laughs> there's, it just doesn't exist. Uh, that might not be entirely accurate. <laughs> Which part? What? Fucking Bill Bowman doesn't even know. Anything. He heard of Area 51, but the point was that the yeah. Area 51 that they're talking about was the about aliens it. one. Look at you see his face. He's ushering the old man out of the room. Like, yeah, I know he didn't know about aliens. The <laughs> old man who's losing it knew about aliens. Randy Quaid was a drunk, knew about the aliens. Bill Pullman has head so far up his ass, he doesn't know about the aliens. <laughs> what about the ancient aliens? Didn't know about them. <laughs> 
Bill Pullman, listen, just listen to his speech and then tell me he's not number one. Oh, get it together, Pullman. It's a little late. <laughs> Half the world's already gone. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. <sighs> so, some fun facts. You know, I got a whole bunch of them for Independence Day. Let's get into it. <laughs> the president's speech, which I was just talking about, was filmed on August 6th, 1995, in front of an old airplane hangar. The hangar in question once housed the Enola Gay, which dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima exactly 50 years earlier on August 6, 1945. That's kind of a cool... That's a cool bit. ...little tidbit there. Not that we dropped a bomb, but... <laughs> Free dope for dropping bombs. <laughs> Drop bombs on them. Because <laughs> there's a president in that movie. I dropped him on my list. <laughs> Uh, the final sentence of the president's speech was not in the original script and was added at the last minute for dramatic effect in an effort to convince 20th Century Fox not to avoid a legal battle to earn the right to name the film Independence Day. At the time, the production was nicknamed ID4 because Warner Brothers owned the rights to the title Independence Day and Dean Devlin had hoped if Fox executive not, not, uh, yeah, noticed the addition in dailies, the impact of the new dialogue would help them win the rights to the title. The right to use the title was eventually won two weeks later. So when he talks about Independence Day, kind of helped the movie get its title. It's also the only time where they kind of say the title, like the big Peter Griffin moment. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Um, character of President Whitmore was originally intended to be a Richard Nixon-like figure. The role was originally written for Kevin Spacey. Co-writer Devin Dev or Dean Devlin's friend from high school Oh, okay. So they're saying Kevin Spacey was Dean Devlin's friend from high school. That's what they're trying to say. An executive at Fox refused to cast Spacey, insisting he didn't have the potential to be a big star. The part was rewritten, and Bill Pullman was then cast in the role. Kevin would later be cast as an alien in K-Pax. <laughs> 2001. Uh, the White House interiors were originally built for the American president, 1995, were also used for Mars Attacks in 96 and Nixon also in 95. White House, which exploded, uh, was built at 112th scale just to be blown up, although it was also used in one other shot when David and Julius stopped the car in front of the White House. Nine cameras filmed the explosion at various speeds, one of which was 12 times faster than normal, then played back at normal speed to make the explosion seem larger and slower on film. To prepare for his role, Bill Pullman read Bob Woodward's The Commanders and watched the documentary film The War Room from 1993. So you read one book in a documentary. <laughs> you know how many books Daniel Day-Lewis read? It's for a fucking action movie. bro. Yeah, he, this, the film wasn't called Whitmore. Or President Whitmore. President Whitmore attacking the aliens would have been the first U.S. commander-in-chief to lead troops into combat since James Madison took command of a rearguard artillery battery to cover the retreat of the U.S. Army during the British attack on Washington, D.C. in 1814. That's some more pretty cool history, I think. <laughs> so if it was real that it's he was cool fighting aliens, yep. it would have the first time a president was leading troops in a battle since 1814, the War of 1812, as it's known, when the British just couldn't, couldn't take... Couldn't leave well enough alone. Like, nah, we 
we got cheated when we lost. And then they just came over and got their asses kicked again. <laughs> Without the French this time, I don't think. I don't think the French helped the second time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Either way. Freedom fries, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just giving you a little shit. We love our friends from across the pond. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Especially because uh, we've been getting a lot of hits from the UK recently. More oh. so than other countries. Holler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's that Brexit stuff, you know. <laughs> Got that WTM type feel to it. <laughs> Going against the grain, dude. Yeah, but I don't want to associate the podcast with Brexit. <laughs> Hashtag WTM Brexit. <laughs> Woodley Brexit. 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 Brisket. Brexard. Brexard. Brudley. Why didn't they just say breathe? Brr leave. Like Britain leave? I don't know. Brr leave. <laughs> Bo- boo earns. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying boo earns. <laughs> boo earns. <laughs> uh, um, anything else? Well, all right, let's just get to honorable mentions. Yep. Um, I'll read off a bunch, and then you can add what you don't have. Okay. I don't have all the names, but I have all the actors and the movies. Jack Nicholson and Mars Attacks. Prison My- Dale. Prison Dale. I got the character, so if I have it and you don't have it, okay. I'll say it. Uh, Michael Douglas in The American President. Andrew Shepard. Okay. Morgan Freeman, Deep Impact. Yeah, I don't have that one. Is that was another, he was like president for like... Seemed like a couple of movies where it was like a black president. It was Morgan Freeman. You know, this is like late 90s, early 2000s, you know, way before Obama. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, Hollywood's just so ahead of the curve. You know, they just had it already. <laughs> but Morgan only- Freeman, I used to love him as president because, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously back then we never had one. Right. And it was like, it'd be fucking cool as hell to have Morgan Freeman as president, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> First he's president, then he's God. Uh, Bruce Greenwood played JFK in 13 Days, which is about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Hmm. Another very good film. Uh, Primary Color is John Travolta. as a fictional president, kind of based off of Clinton, though. Okay. I believe. Because it's kind of like a a scandalous politics movie. What a fucking surprise. Sure. Um, Dave, Kevin Kline. Kevin Kline and Dave. Hmm. President Dave something. I forget what it was. Dave Thomas, no. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins as Nixon and Nixon. Uh, Tommy uh, Tiny Lister in The Fifth Element. <laughs> he was the uh, president. Uh, Donald Pleasance in Escape from New York. I almost wanted to put him on the list, but... I thought you might... Uh, he doesn't really do anything. I haven't seen those, but I thought... Uh, I didn't know how well he did. Because it was I he mean, the first one? Yeah, just the first one. I mean, no. he's good in there, but yeah, I mean, that he doesn't. The first one. I mean, he's doesn't. He's do not it. in a, like like the first large section of it because he's held hostage and yeah. Russell's go get him. And you know, he's kind of like the kind of a weak lean. You know, needs to be helped along the way the whole time. Yeah. Then he kind of does do one badass thing right at the end. Um, yeah. The very end, but uh, yeah, Del Pleasance is always fucking baller and anything terry cruz and idiocracy do you know his name um i had a, i can't remember right now 
Dwayne Elizondo Mountain Dew Herbert Cam- Camacho. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. I, that was, that, was that one name. almost made it as well. Luke Wilson was also a president there, apparently. That's right, because they made him the president in there because he was the smartest man in the world. Yep. His name was not sure slash Joe Bauer. I've never seen all of Idiocracy. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, it's a lot more relevant today. I was gonna say, that's where I started hearing about it a lot more again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henry Fonda. Uh, Failsafe from 1964, I believe. I can't remember if he plays a real president or not. Uh. Um, Lloyd Bridges in Hot Shots Part Due. It's a spoof, but he's a you know the bumbling president. You know mm. it's been a, done a couple of times. Um, but yeah, he's great. We already talked about Gilbert Gottfried as Lincoln yeah. in a Million Ways to Die in the West. Um, the Butler. Butler is six. Yep. Actors, there's six noted, different presidents. I only noted one that I enjoyed. We most. didn't. I've seen the but. Well, oh, you, I've seen it too. Yeah, yeah. and I like the Butler. That was a good movie. Yeah, Alan Rickman was Reagan. Robin Williams was. I. I'm not sure. Eisenhower. I can't remember who he was. Um, James Marsden was JFK. John Cusack was Nixon. Nixon. I enjoyed that one. Um, there was Most another of. one. I forgot the other actor and president. Um, I also had Stanley Anderson as the president in both The Rock and Armageddon. Hmm. See, if I remember those couple of movies, the same guy, because they're both Michael Bay movies. Yep. And, I mean, back when Michael Bay was passable. I don't know about Armageddon, but, hey, it's on the Criterion Collection, so take it up with them. <laughs> Yeah, I've tried to. The Rock is on Criterion as well, which I actually do love. The Rock, uh, but yeah, this guy, he kind of sounded very presidential. I thought he did a good job. Like, it's, I, you're more impressionable as a kid mm-hmm. when I first saw these movies, and like that's kind of like who I thought the president was, like in movies. Sure, like, he did a really good job of that. Some of that's just nostalgia and mm-hmm. the movies I watched, but yeah, he did a good job. You have any more? Uh, yeah, I have a few. Um, we got Dan Aykroyd as President William Haney in My Fellow Americans. Uh, that they, they might be a presidential candidate. Because I also have uh, My Fellow Americans' Jack Lemmon as Russell P. Kramer. So I, I, I can't remember. I watched him. I used to love him when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't remember how it went. Yeah, I if it. one was president and then Jack Lemmon took over or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyways... Uh, Will Forte as Abe Lincoln in the Lego movie. Oh, um, that's right. Ed Metzger as... Yeah, I didn't even think about animated. Yeah. Uh, Ed Metzger as Teddy Roosevelt in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Tom Wilkinson as Lyndon B. Johnson in Selma. Leslie Nielsen as President Harris in Scary Movie 4 and 5. And Harry... Voice... Harry Shearer as President Arnold Schwarzenegger in the Simpsons movie. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, the speaking of Liz and Nielsen, the Naked Gun movies, especially one and two, have portrayals of the president. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, pretty good ones. Um, they're just in like the opening scenes, or at least the second one. I'm thinking of specifically where it's some guy plays Bush, you know, Bush Senior, and uh, yeah, he did a really good job. But you know, it's just like a few minute scene and. He's not funny in it because he's 
He's got to play it straight. Yeah. Because pretty much everyone, well, everyone plays it straight in that movie. But, you know, Leslie Nielsen's one that fucks everything up. <laughs> but, yeah, that was another one I thought of because he did a good job as Bush. Yep. H-Dub. H-Dubs. Oh, pretty good list. Uh, any t- if, if you want an example of the perfect movie president, it's Bill Pullman. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's, it's not. <laughs> I, I think it is. I got a hell of a speech. Garbage otherwise. What did Lincoln do? <laughs> it was Congress that abolished slavery. He just told him to do it. It's fucking tall, lanky Lincoln <laughs> running around just barking orders. Merking fools. Well, then he got murked. That's a downer. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's the most accurate probably portrayal of a president or best portrayal. But I'm just, I, I want a movie president. I want some Bill Pullman. It's it's Lincoln, <laughs> and then it's Harold and Kumar from Guantanamo <laughs> Bay. It's as simple as that. One and two. Uno, dos. Uno, dos. Tres, cuatro, cinco, cinco, seis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that'll about do it. You want anything else? Uh, one last little note that I've actually been holding on to was uh, I stumbled across a site that I haven't had a chance to really dig into, but... I clicked around a little bit, and it's called Based on a True Story. Have you heard about this website? Mm, I don't think so. So what this website seeks to do, it's more than just, it seems like there's this main site, and then they have these subsections, and then what they create are, they're focused on kind of data infographic stuff, but the Based on a True Story section um, is they review movies that supposedly are based on a true story, and then they tell you how close it is, how accurate it actually is to the real events. And you can literally go along the time and they'll have notes saying where there's inaccuracies or if it's a, if they portray it accurately or not. And they give a weight, like they present it saying like 80% of it's accurate, 40% of it's accurate. Okay. Um, Seem kind of interesting. I haven't had a chance to bounce around in there a lot. They don't have a shitload of movies, but they have a fair amount. I think like... Uh, the Big Short was on there. Uh, There's a few other ones. They're mainly newer ones, but seemed kind of interesting. Um, actually, read about it in the newspaper, and then I looked it up because there's a lot of there's a lot of people who are like, "Well, if it's based on a true, you know, film is art." Some people say so. It's like just because it's based on a true story doesn't mean it has to portray it exactly how it went down. Like you can take. You know, you can play with it to stress certain points of stuff that might not be whatever. So they say it almost trying to fact check movies is some people are very anti fact checking. But I thought of JFK and in how as a kid I saw JFK and I probably didn't know shit about the JFK assassination as a kid. And I saw the movie and I made assumptions about it based off the movie mm. because I thought it was accurately portraying it and like you alluded to oliver stone makes a lot of assumptions and a lot of he he states a lot of fictional shit in there that just wasn't true but again i mean he was trying to do something with his film i mean again so it's not people don't create films for you to go oh that was exactly how it happened some people maybe do but so that's why I still think it's a good movie. Absolutely, I love well JFK. Made. I thought JFK was very well done. I enjoy it. Um, it is, nice but to you know should now, not though, use it as your basis for understanding the JFK assassination. 
Like and, it should just be a fun thing tied to actual fact checking stuff. But anyway, that Donald Sutherland's character was complete horseshit and all made up. Yeah. And everything that he says to Kevin Costner's character, you're like, oh, yeah, that guy takes away a lot of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> but if anybody checks out the site, let us know if it's worth a shit or if you check it out. I'll be curious to kind of poke around on there mm-hmm. for any newer movies I might see. But yeah, that was kind of interesting. It's always something I think about when I see a movie's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Is you know the whole thing isn't true. It's never all true. Yeah, you know, they take advantage of certain parts to stress other things. But until mm-hmm. I get alrighty, well, yeah, uh, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Need those rates and reviews? It's the way you can help the show. So please do that. Uh, email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Uh, suggestions, criticism, what have you. Uh, follow us on Twitter at watch this underscore movie. And check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. Other than that, we'll check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you're off my case.